You're listening to WERA 96.7 FM, and this is Media on the Radio. Media on the Radio features stories from media professionals, everyone from journalists to filmmakers to marketing experts. Lisa Heller, the Media on the Radio resident tax expert, (laughs) comes on the, the podcast we're recording this in uh, 2017 in February. It probably is relevant, you know, if you're doing your taxes from 2016, the, the laws change, I assume, every year. On top of potentially, we may see a big change in the whole structure um, coming from the government. Lisa Heller gives advice for the full-time freelancer or a small business and what they should prepare for for this tax season. Tax laws change a lot, just like you just said, uh, more than once a year. Certainly, and some with some 2017 information is set already. Like you know, you can rely on certain guidance for 2017, like the standard mileage rate. With this administration, there's been some noise about overhauling the tax code, which hasn't been done since 1986. So we'll see if it happens, and if it does, what they do. Uh, the guidance I can give is really only good for now. This is Devin Gallagher. I'm the host of Media on the Radio, and thanks for listening. When I finished school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up, and I think there's a lot of people who feel the same way. But accounting was my family's business. My grandfather was a CPA, my uncle is a CPA, and my father is a tax lawyer because he didn't want to have to deal with numbers. So I got myself a job at a, uh, at a major accounting firm. They were hiring liberal arts majors, as it turns out, um, with the purpose of sending us back to school. I got a master's in accounting through this program and sent me out uh, on the job where I met with clients and did financial audits, and it was okay. It was, you know, informative, interesting, but I didn't dearly love it until I got introduced to the nonprofit tax world. That was where I was able to meet people who really cared very much about what they did, very dedicated to the mission of the organizations, and there's many, many nonprofits out there that do all kinds of good work across the country and all over the world. And what they really needed and appreciated was help with their accounting and their taxes because that's not something they were really able to do so much internally. Really to do well in accounting, you have to want to be able to help people. And that's ultimately what what it's all about. I mean, certainly there's a lot of rules you need to know and the tax laws are always changing, certainly. And if you have a head for numbers, it certainly helps. But we have calculators for that too. So as long as you know what to add and what to subtract, then you'll be fine. But being able to work in what what the rules are with what uh, people's specific situations are and be able to help them and help them plan, uh, that's really great. That's that's what gets me out of bed in the morning to go to work. Can you talk a little bit about the work that you do and and where you where you're based out of and what um, you know kind of if if your firm specializes in anything? I work at a firm in Washington D.C. called Tate and Tryon. We're a mid-sized firm in downtown D.C. Uh, about 120 people or so from uh, you know uh, from all levels, and we're uh, our, our specialty is not-for-profit organizations. That's all our firm works on. Those are all of our clients. And we um, are a full-service accounting firm. We do financial audits, uh, tax work, and also uh, outsource bookkeeping services for organizations that are small enough that they don't need a full-time accountant or just want some additional help with, uh, with some of the bookkeeping. That's great. So you also said that you had kind of a background in um, small business accounting as well. 
and uh, gearing that this conversation kind of to that, do any kind of stories pop up in your head that that uh, you know somebody comes to you in the eleventh hour? Obviously, you're not mentioning any names, but just kind of an anecdotal story of of a person that is doing everything themselves, mm-hmm. right? Running a business or or the, you know they they do the the count accounting bookkeeping themselves they make the products themselves there's a lot of people like that and honestly um i've got a lot of war stories and i could fill up your whole show and lots of shows with those but in terms of the situation you're describing where a lot of entrepreneurs are do it yourselfers the whole reason they're not working for somebody else is they want to be able to see everything through from start to finish so that includes their taxes and, but before I worked at Tate and Tryon, I worked at a firm in New York, and small businesses were really their, the soul of their businesses. So we did accounting and tax work for the family businesses and also for all the people who know and love the business, the owners, the spouses, the children, the, the mishpucha, as we say in Yiddish. <laughs> and uh, more often than not, I mean, if, if you if you were a decent sized business where you had a financial audit that was geared toward it, chances are they had an accounting process in place. And so you had at least good numbers to work with for a for a tax return. But in the case of an individual, say the business owner who, you know, let, let's say they're married and they've got a couple kids and they've got a house and a bank account and they have their own business. So they've got the records from their business. But then they've got all those other pieces of paper that you get from everyone else that gets reported to IRS or maybe not. But you need to pull it all together for a tax return. And that's where I come in. I've had clients bring me bagfuls of receipts and documentation, you know, two days before the deadline. I've had clients bring me stuff in shopping bags, hat boxes, you you name it, freaking out that they don't know what to do and please help. And that's, you know, that that's really what we're there for. If the job was easy, you wouldn't need me. But at the same time, IRS wants the taxes filed on time. What a lot of people don't realize is you can actually get an extension from IRS. You just file a form. I would say a piece of paper, but a lot of it is filed electronically now. But you file a notification with the IRS, and you can extend the time to file till October 15th. So that that gives people breathing room that they don't necessarily realize that they need. And there's no penalty or anything with respect to filing an extension. Um, There's no problem as long as you've paid in all the tax that you're supposed to on time. And in most cases, you have. We were talking earlier before we started about the fear that people have of the IRS. It's interesting because there is that idea that people that show up on the couple days before the deadline with a box of of receipts. Um, It's interesting to me because... It's one of those things that people probably dread and they probably have all this anxiety associated with it. This kind of leads us to kind of getting into the conversation of prep or planning for. And I'm no expert in this um, (laughs) and I can tell my individual story. But why is that so important? And what you know, what's what do people need to do, you know, nine months before the deadline that, that you would suggest them doing? If you're someone who has your own business, probably the best advice that I can give you is document everything you do as far as the numbers as best you can and your activities. And there's no one set way that you have to keep your documentation. So, for example, let's say you work for yourself and you work out of your house. You can actually, in a lot of cases, take a deduction for the business portion of your home. 
Uh, but you have to know what to do in order to be able to claim that deduction. And there's a couple of different ways that IRS will allow you to claim that, but you need to document some certain facts. For example, like how big is your home office, for example? What is the square footage? Or how big is it relative to the size of your home? Uh, do you use it primarily and exclusively? For, or rather, is that uh, the main place that you work? If, you, if you're an employee for someone else and you work from home sometimes, uh, nine times out of ten, IRS isn't going to accept that deduction. But, uh, but if, you're, if you're a small business owner and that's really where you work, then you can, for example. Um, if you use your car for, uh, for business, you in your personal car, uh, you can take a deduction for the business use of your car, but you have to be able to keep good records on that. A mileage log is probably the best way to do that. And not just the miles that you drive when you're, uh, when you're on official business, but just kind of keep a log of, you know, what, what you drove for personal. It doesn't even have to be every day. Just, you know, look at your odometer when you start driving for work. And There's definitely a lot of, lot of tricks and and ways in which you can keep that material. What I've done, and, and it's definitely worth the money for me, is I've gotten a, a tracking app that that links up to all my bank accounts. And some I know some people probably don't like the security f- ideas behind that, but I'm I'm just whatever. Um, <laughs> but then what's what's nice about it is it I just swipe left, swipe right for personal or business. When you're planning for year, it's almost like the government makes you do like a ROI an evaluation every year. And so a tracking app sounds like a great idea for people who are, you know, in, in, in technology and who are, who are inclined to use that. The apps are not for everybody, certainly, but for people who are inclined to use them and use them faithfully, it's a great planning tool. What about what people bring to you? Now, you said that you have people bring you a box of receipts, and that's obviously not what you want to see. What is the most organized client that you have, and what do they bring to, for you to be able to to do the work? For my for my 1040 clients, what we would do is every year in early January, we would send them something called an organizer. And what this is, it's basically a checklist based on last year's filing information, uh, asking to confirm certain information, like, you know, if you had any more children during the year, for example, please tell us about him or her and give some information. Did you move to a different state during the year? Uh, other than other than just personal information, uh, lists the sources of income and the expenses that you claimed, and uh, asks to provide information based on that. And then supplement, if, for example, if you've got any new sources of income. If you've got a new client, for example, that sent you a 1099, we would ask you to provide that information. And not just fill out the checklist, but also give uh, backup information. If, if, you, uh, if you make over $600 a year from, uh, for performing services, that, uh, that place is supposed to send you a 1099 form to document what they paid you. So we want to get copies of the 1099s. We want to get copies of the 1099Bs from the banks, for example, with uh, you know interest and dividend, whatever income you have from your bank accounts. If you sold any stock, we'd want that information. Uh, of course, if you work for an employer, we would want copies of your W-2s because that shows not only what you earned, but what taxes were withheld. That's real important because not only do you have to report income and expenses on a tax return, you have to report any payments that were made. And probably the number one thing that I've seen on a tax return is uh, in terms of getting a notice from a taxing authority is if you report the payments made during the year incorrectly. And so that's really, really important. If you want to avoid getting a letter from IRS or from Virginia or Maryland or DC, uh, don't, don't mess up the payments. 
on your tax returns. And I've, I've been doing this for over 20 years. And I, if I get a letter addressed to me with the return address, Internal Revenue Service, my heart skips a beat. So I can only imagine what the, the average taxpayer would, would think. It would probably drive them absolutely crazy. And I don't blame them for feeling that way. A little bit of background. I've worked, I worked here at Arlington Independent Media for many years. And it had the flexibility in terms of schedule that I was able to do some, some contract work on the side. And you know, it would range from, you know, one year it'd be like a, a very small amount of extra income and it would fluctuate quite a bit. Now I'm full-time freelance. And it's interesting because in the past it was a pretty easy, went on to the TurboTax, mm-hmm. you know, sure. the, the sure. application or whatever. And I'm getting, reaching a point where, and I know a lot of other people reach this point where there's so many things and your, your life starts to get complicated because you own a condo or you have a kid or your wife's in school. And mm-hmm. these things start to add up and you start to ask yourself, well, when do I make that decision of, of hiring somebody outside of TurboTax? Because TurboTax, for some people, it's really fun because you just go and checklist or whatever. And then also return on that because obviously it's going to be a higher expense in, in many cases than the $80 TurboTax. Sure. Well, there's many different levels of TurboTax uh, based on how complicated they think your tax return is. So what it would be then a, a reason or, you know, do you, do you see people coming from that and then making a, a bigger return? You, you, they're missing out on, they're leaving oh, money, sure. money on the table. Absolutely. And I, I think it's a good idea if you have your own business, uh, probably best not to use TurboTax or, or another CAN software unless you're very, very comfortable with how to report your income and your expenses from uh, you know from your business because the tax rules are complicated and they change a lot. And you, you want to make sure that you claim all the deductions that you're entitled to. And, of course, uh, you have to pick up all the income that you earned because that's, that's also very important. And IRS figures that one out pretty quickly, too, if you've, if you've omitted something. Are there, any, are there any deductions kind of for a small business that might surprise somebody? Well, if you buy any equipment for your business, for example, there are special rules on how to depreciate. Um, in some cases, you can actually write off the entire cost of the equipment in year one. And so that just amounts to a bigger expense uh, deduction against income. But sometimes you have to depreciate, um, which means just uh, take the cost over a certain number of years based on the type of equipment. And it, depending on how well your business did, if you made money, if you lost money and how much, uh, there's different advantages as to how to depreciate your fixed assets. So that's that's something that's not really intuitive. Uh, the tax rules are complicated. And even in terms of how much you can deduct as an expense in year one, that changes from time to time, depending on what Congress is thinking. And then different states have different rules about that also. So that is definitely something, if you have equipment that you've used in your business, that would definitely be a reason. If you're not using uh, some of the more sophisticated CAN software, that's where, where an accountant can be extremely helpful. Can you Give just, as we're wrapping up, just a, an example of um, but what what's kind of the burden on, on individuals and, and what are some resources maybe that, you know, obviously they don't have to go become an accountant. The, on, oh, the no. entrepreneurs, of course, <laughs> want to learn every everything about, you know, this, the structure and, and know all the details. But are there resources to kind of help people get the information they need um to, to get to that next level. Well, sure. I mean, if, if you're interested, there's a lot of resources available online 
that are good. You, you can't always trust everything you read on the Internet, of course, but there are certain sources that you can put faith in. And one of them is actually IRS.gov, which is the Internal Revenue Services website. Uh, if you dare... Uh, go go over there. They actually have a lot of resources specifically for uh, individuals and also for self-employed and small businesses. Uh, good publications that are written in English as opposed to in legalese uh, that can help you understand uh, your specific situation. And there's many different publications based on the situation. There's There's one specifically for car and travel expenses, for example. There's one specifically on the business use of your home and another one on uh, charitable contributions, for example. So if there's a tax topic that you're wondering about, chances are irs.gov has at least some guidance on it for you. What I'm curious about, too, is, and I've heard some horror stories of, oh, yeah, you can write off uh, that. That's no problem. A friend that, you know, oh, I got this huge tax return this year, $5,000. And then it turns out that that was not the, the right course or it was illegal for them to do that. Um, what, what would be a resource? Is there a marketplace to, to find a, a reputable accountant that, that can help you? Honestly, uh, the, the Greater Washington Society of CPAs can hook you up. Any, any final thought? Or, um, you know, we are approaching tax season right now. This is a, a kind of oh, a... Oh, we're in tax season. Oh, we yeah. are in, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, IRS opened e-filing for individuals late last month in January. Uh, and they're actually not issuing refunds. Well, actually, now February 15th has passed, so they are now starting to issue refunds for those earliest filed tax returns. Are your taxes done? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. My, mine is the last one. Remember I told you about the extension? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I always take that extension. I'm, I'm, bu- I'm busy doing other people's taxes. Right, right. So once, once those are done, I focus on my own. But, yes, I am paid up. <laughs> I, I assume so. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of the busy busy season that we're currently in to come talk to us. And hopefully it gets people at least a reminder uh, that they should start working on it now if they haven't started Absolutely. already. Um, I know I am. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just say taxes are seen by a lot of people as a necessary evil. And a lot of people even question why do we have to pay tax and it doesn't seem fair and but uh, taxes do exist for a reason because they they fund our whole infrastructure and our whole and our whole government. So the the trick is to uh, to work within the confines of the tax law, pay your fair share, and not a penny more. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> thanks thanks so much for doing this. Thank you. You can go to waitwhatpro.com to find past episodes of Media on the Radio. Please subscribe on iTunes to Media on the Radio where each week it'll send the podcast directly to your phone. You don't have to do anything. It'll just send it right to you. It's so easy. 